Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Today it is the 26th of December 2022. It is Monday. Hope you all had a great Christmas. On today's show, a special edition here, I'm going to give you guys something post-Christmas. A look at the Big 12 quarterback situation for 2023, because I don't think this league is in an excellent spot when it comes to quarterbacks. So a lot of guys are turning. There are some battles we have to look at. Obviously, some transfers coming in. Not everything is set in stone yet, but I'm not sure this this – League is going to be in a great place quarterback-wise next season. So we'll dive into that on the show. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. You guys can do that on YouTube. Uh, tap that bell for notifications, like the videos, and leave us comments as well to give your thoughts on what we are talking about. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. You guys can find us once again on YouTube as well. Follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Uh, yeah, so kind of you know, as Transfer Portal shakes out and as we look at the recruiting rankings, early signing day has come and gone, and most of the classes for these schools have signed. I think it was a good time to kind of look ahead and, and think about the quarterback situations that we're going to have next year in the Big 12, because while things are shaking out, it's kind of an interesting thought exercise, I think, at this point in time. We'll revisit this once all the dust settles uh, this offseason, but I think it's something that we should note right now, because you know the one league that I think a lot of us have heard about in the offseason as it relates to next year at the quarterback position is the Pac-12, right? This is a league that, yeah, this year might not have been great, but they they are loaded at the QB spot next year. USC is going to be having uh, Caleb Williams back, obviously rating Heisman Trophy winner. Washington will bring back Michael Penix. Oregon will bring back Bo Nix. We'll see about what happens uh, you know, with Utah and Cam Rising, but Oregon State brings in DJ Uyunglele, right? Uh, UCLA has got a pretty interesting quarterback battle that's going to happen uh, between a couple guys, and I think Dante Moore maybe eventually wins a job. We'll see, but Cam Ward at Wazoo, Jaden Delora at Arizona, uh, Stanford and Cal are the only two that you're kind of you know curious about because uh, Colorado is going to have Shador Sanders. We'll see how well he is able to do um, you know next season, right? But there's there's really not a, a ton of questions at the quarterback spot for the most part. It's a pretty deep league at that position, you know. As we look forward, and then I think Drew Pine, uh, you know, I'm not how, not sure how great he is, but like it's a pretty solid guy to have your Arizona State, and then. Uh, you know, think about obviously the SEC will always have some talented guys. The, the Big 12, it puts them in an interesting spot. They may be better off in the ACC. We'll, we'll see how things shake out. But uh, we know that we're adding the four new schools next year. And so we'll look kind of where the current schools are and then where the incoming schools are as it relates to the quarterback position. And we'll start at the top of the league and kind of roll through this and, and take a, a gander at where everybody is. Kansas State, you're reigning defending champions. So they have to be the ones – that are going first on this and the Wildcats next year will bring back Will Howard, who obviously did not start off as the starter this season, but as the year progressed, as Adrian Martinez dealt with some injuries and during Howard's time in, it was pretty clear that the offense at peak efficiency, you know, not saying once again, Adrian Martinez played poorly at times, but at peak efficiency, Will Howard, you know, was uh, the guy that made their offense a bit more dynamic, especially in that passing game. And, it's funny because we didn't get a whole lot of him. You know, in, in the end of the season, we ended up getting six total games of him. Some of that stuff was obviously in in relief, right? In the TCU game that he started, he was it was banged up. 
kind of, you know, back and forth on that one and came in and played well and then got hurt and, and that was difficult for him, but ends up as a starter, you know, on that, uh, in that final run ends up going five and oh, right. They hammer Oklahoma state in the game. That was probably his best 21, 37, 296 and four scores, right? The Baylor game, he didn't have to be that good, but he still threw three touchdowns, uh, 19 and 27. They didn't rely on him like a ton, but that was a, that was a runaway game, right? West Virginia, pretty pace performance rushes for one uh, and throws for two uh, Kansas game, two scores in that one wasn't, you know, craziest passing efficiency game, but still did well enough. And then the big 12 championship game played pretty well in that one. The numbers for him in terms of like efficiency are never going to be uh, super high. They were pretty good. Just hitting longer, more explosive plays. I thought in the passing game with him, especially um, and he's six, five two thirty five, And like, I think, you know, to me, he could be more accurate, sure, but if if he keeps up what he did last year, and look, they got a lot to replace on the receiving core, so we'll see how things mesh, but uh, I've got some pretty high expectations for him just because of physically the way he profiles, uh, you know, in terms of uh, like what you want NFL quarterback to look like, how he looked throwing the football, and also his confidence in Colin Klein's offense. If you put all that together, it's a pretty, you know, people say uh, I've been anti-Kansas State. I mean, for as much as they're replacing – um, you know, we all say quarterback is usually the most important position in all of, in all of sports. They've got a guy that they've got a lot of confidence in. I think a guy who's got a lot of confidence in himself right now, the, Alabama should be an interesting test depending you know, on how long we'll see Will Anderson and, and some other guys have opted out, but still, I think generally speaking, it's a nice test. See how a guy operates when he's got a long period of, of, of time to prepare right in the defense will have a long period of time prepare for him so it's a bowl game trying to wonder hey how much do we do we read into that but if you look at the overall body of work while it is small the developments and way things look i mean the guy is a big 12 championship winning quarterback right that is it wasn't like he was carried there either he was a huge part of why that is the case so k-state in a good spot will howard obviously there tcu you know you think about max duggan moving on and you say uh Obviously not excellent, right? You think from the quarterbacking spot, the guy who finished number two in the Heisman Trophy voting this year. But I think about it, and I kind of realize, you know, Chandler Morris, still there, won the job last season, right? He won the job in the offseason. Like, we think Garrett Riley and and uh, Sonny Dykes are pretty good evaluators of talent. And if that is the case, you know, then Chandler Morris, like, should do pretty well, right? Now, I'll say this. I didn't think that I wasn't very high on TCU starting off the year, but I didn't think like that was the best quarterback competition in the world. Nice to have two pretty decent guys. I and mean, we've seen a lot of teams this league that don't have the depth, but um, I don't know how good Chandler Morris is. We really haven't seen him a whole lot, but if he was good enough to beat out a guy like Max Duggan in practices, it means a couple of things. Number one, Max Duggan might not be the best practice player, right? Um, you know, if, if they had a whole off season and, and Chandler was a guy, it could have been pretty close, right? I mean, it could have been really, really close and they just end up going with Chandler and, and whatnot. But um, you're kind of wondering, okay, what does this look like? Is it, there's going to be some turnover on the offensive side of the ball, obviously, but um, this staff had such a magical run, such a great year. All right. They're really going to have to get down to work in a different way next season. But, but with that being said, you, if you're TCU, you do hold on to the fact that, number one, it's a desirable place to play now, so you're going to be able to fill roster spots, whether it be recruiting, top 20 class, or whether it's transfer portal. You're going to be able to do that a bit easier. Now, for them, the problem is they're getting a later jump on it than a lot of schools are, uh, ju- especially portal-wise, just because they've got so many spots filled. We see how many guys want to leave after the playoff happens. 
Um, so it's kind of a weird dynamic that's happening there on that front. But, um, you know, I think, I think we got some confidence in what that situation would look like just because it is a guy who won the job before. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a good situation, I think, for him with all the weapons they have. We'll see if they can replace a lot of those weapons. So that's a big TBD. The next one, the Texas Longhorns, um, and we're not going in the order of how, obviously, good the like the, the solidness, solidity of, of the jobs. We're going on really uh, where these schools finish in the league. So Texas next. You know, to me, I've mentioned this before, and I'll say this again. Quinn Ewers needs to be the guy next year, full offseason, number one guy, no doubt about it. Arch Manning is coming in. I think because of the level that he played, I think it was, what, 2A, whatever it was. Um, I think because the level he was at, there is an expectation that the transition is going to be not rocky, but it's going to be a bit longer than you expect. Super talented kid, so he could just make the transition pretty easily. I would say this. I think Malik Murphy as a number two option, or even as a guy to push Quinn Ewers in camp, is the way they should handle this because that team's strength towards the end of the season was not its quarterback play. As good as Ewers looked at times, that team strength was running the football. It was B. John Robinson. It was Roshan Johnson. It was stopping the run. And I think, you know, running the football, stopping the run, and making enough plays in the passing game. So as much talent as coming in they got now, I think they're, once again, try to run the football. But, um, you know, because they're losing Roshan and B. John, that makes it t- difficult. But they still got a lot behind them. And the offensive line play, it got a lot better this year for the Longhorns. That's, that's something to look forward to. And then Ewers is, all right, you know, Give him some time to develop. Give him some time to grow. Yeah, did it feel like he was regressing at the end of this year? Sure, but it's also his first full year as a starter, right? And they had a lot of turnover in that position. Um, there were some games where I didn't necessarily think it was, you know, it was it was on Quinn Ewers for the way things were going. He was really good, really strong when it came to being on script. Not good off script, but that was a lot of the Texas offense this year. Quick word from our sponsor on today's show. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you all by LinkedIn. If you are looking to hire, the best place to do it is LinkedIn. You guys can post your job today for free. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. So once again, LinkedIn Jobs will help you find those qualified candidates Go to linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions to apply. Um, that was a lot of Texas offense last year, too. So that's more of an overall team thing they've changed. But look, if you're talking about a quarterback room, Arch Manning, Malik Murphy, and also, uh, you know, with Quinn Ewers, like that's that's pretty good talent wise where you want to be in. And look, you know, um, let's see how they let's see how they play this in the offseason about how they handle this. Is Malik Murphy a guy that maybe we see step in the transfer portal in spring? Because I think with how long he's been there now, like it's getting to the point where I think Malik Murphy can probably, you know, he's getting close to the point where he could go and play, right? Um, You know, one full year there and ran a lot of scout team stuff, was asked to do a ton of different things for them. Uh, And I know, you know, obviously to get a lot of starts, but like because of the talent level that this guy was, he was an Elite 11 type guy, Elite 11 finals uh, type guy like this is a very very exciting player and so you know does he push Quinn um because of his ability to run the football do they also want him you know in the competition right and when I see that dynamic they want to use him some more actually in, in next year does he hit the portal I think it's a big question with Lee Murphy because 
of his ability and what we think that he could maybe do. But Quinn Ewers flashed a lot and had a lot of rough moments. I think that's also something that is uh, a a part of him not playing football really since you know, that that you know that final year uh, at Lake Travis, right? I mean, he was you know when he was when he was there, like um, you know it wasn't a guy wherever the hell he went. I forgot not Lake Travis, uh, whatever school he went to. Um, but like that, that's something that we you know we didn't see him play very much. Didn't play at Ohio State, right? So with him moving on, him him taking that next step. Uh, and that being the first year, like there were some moments that were good, and, and people forget this. I mentioned this a lot. That Iowa State game was the first game he played all four quarters in, um, and that was like what the third or fourth year, of the ga- game of the year, uh, fifth game of the year, whatever it was when he was playing after the injury. The, the guy just didn't play a ton, and so that's what you want: play some and get that full off season. In. And we've seen guys get better and improve. You go down the list: Ohio State, or Ohio State, Oklahoma State, uh, Garrett Rangel, and also Gunnar Gundy. This is a this is a situation now where Oklahoma State probably needs to bring somebody in from the outside. Um, Gundy, not not good enough. Uh, I, I think, you know, the guy was able to elevate his play a little bit, but I, just generally speaking, I don't think he's good enough. And then Rangel, well sought after, sought after guy, but is the infrastructure going to be there for Oklahoma State um, this coming season on the off- offensive side? Because they went through so much transition um, this year. And you're wondering how it's going to affect them. Now, once again, they hit the portal pretty hard. When you're hitting all these pieces in the portal, how confident can we be that this thing's going to be good to go, ready to go? And this is also, this is not something that Mike Gundy is used to doing, right? So this is an adjustment for a guy, you know, who's been around for a long time. And I just thought they did a pretty good job adapting last season. This is an adjustment for them. And it's not like this is an awesome recruiting class for them at this moment in time. So they're having to get after it in the transfer portal right now. And you're wondering, you know, they're bringing in Zane Flores at, at quarterback, but that's a, you know, it's a three-star guy, top 500 guy, you know, so I, I doubt he's ready to play. And you see if you can retain, you know, Rangel and see what Gundy can do um, as well. And, you know, I was thinking about, Hey, do they go and they get somebody in the transfer portal to come play quarterback? That's yet to be seen. And could they somehow entice Spencer Sanders to return? I doubt it. But that situation is definitely going to be one of the more interesting ones just because we're so used to quality quarterback play there. And look, in 2021, when they went to the Big 12 championship game, they got it sometimes, and sometimes they didn't. And then Spencer Sanders effectively was their offense back in 2020, you know, this past season. And now they have to move on to that quarterback spot. So they're moving on. This was kind of a taste of what it's like not to have a stability this year because of Spencer's injuries, um, which made it very interesting. The next one that really is just the situation as a whole compared to last season has completely deteriorated the Baylor bears, right? You've got a situation this year where Blake Shapin's starting off the season. You're excited about that. You got Kyron drones behind him who you're excited about as well. And then you feel pretty good about your ability to land Austin Novosad and drones transfers. Shapin doesn't play well at times. And then in the end, um, you know, Novosad ends up flipping his commitment. He's going to Oregon now. It really just all fell apart for them at, at that spot. And look, they still went six and six, not saying they can't rebound. And I will say this. I was skeptical of Blake Shapin in year one as a starter because once again, it was year one as a starter. These guys are still 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, you know, now 23, 24 year old kids. But like you saw it with Spencer Sanders, even from a year where he was first team all big 12, and, uh, you know, the the, champ, uh, the quarterback of a team that was in the Big 12 championship game last year, um, still they, he was a game manager at times and wasn't good enough and turned the football over a lot. And then this year finally became this great player. Another example of this. 
Max Duggan, same thing. Played a lot of football and even lost the job, as we mentioned, him going to the camp and plays and the guys believe in him. And he is a, he's the second, second guy in the Heisman Trophy voting. So that is the one thing I think we forget. Like NFL, sure, the evaluation process goes a bit – it's going to be going a bit quicker. And, and at this, I feel like at times in college we are way too quick on some of these guys. And I'm wondering if Blake Shapin has, has fallen victim to that. His decision-making was very bad at times. There were a lot of games where his decision-making was not good enough. But that team, to me, running the football is good enough. And I think it's all about how does Shapin and this group of playmakers, which are fast, which are exciting, which are good, how do they move along? they got a lot to do in the offensive line. That means they're going to have to put more in the quarterback next year. So I'm not quitting on Shapin at all. I just think because of the season that they had, relative to expectations, and we're actually going to talk with Drake Toll coming up this next week about this from Locked On Bears. Um, I think overall we're super disappointed and we're having a conversation about moving on from him. Now, if Kyron Drones is still there, sure, we can talk about it. Um, is, if Austin Novosad's in the room, maybe we talk about it, but they're not there. So Baylor's quarterback situation, there, there's not as much depth. We were maybe talking about, hey, giving Kyron Drones a chance. None of that. That's not going to happen because of where we are uh, in this spot. All right, next, Kansas. Uh, the Kansas Jayhawks. Jalen Daniels is back and missed a lot of the year, but to have a guy like that come back, this was the guy that I, I could have seen hopping in the transfer portal and getting a bag, but they keep him at Kansas, which is obviously very big for them uh, to be able to do that. So keeping Jalen Daniels in the fold for them was a massive, uh, massive thing. And uh, for a guy who, you know, has come from California, has been able to mesh with his coaching staff and to be as electric and explosive as he was, he now gives Kansas a great chance to win um, a lot of football games. Now, I know he wasn't great there towards the very end, but when you have a player like that who is as dynamic as Jalen Daniels is, as good of a runner, as good of a thrower, and as good of a leader as he is, it's going to give them a great chance. TCU is a great team this year, and I think TCU was giving Kansas their best shot, and it was sucked to see him go down, and Jason Bean comes in and does a great job. But, like, I thought Jalen Daniels would have a chance in that game to go blow for blow, and we saw it in the Duke game, what a tremendous game he played. And, look, Duke had an awesome year, ACC coach of the year, Mike Elko. Turns out that's a really good football team. And in that game, he completed 83% of his passes for 324, four scores, ran for 83 yards, 11 carries, and a touchdown. That's the kind of guy he is. The Houston game, the rally in that game, tremendous. He was awesome in the West Virginia game as well. This is a guy that is a playmaker. I mean, this is the – this in Oklahoma, right? And I guess I guess Kansas State too. Like the most solid quarterback situations that you could ask for. KU next year also going to bring a lot of these guys back. They get Kenny Logan back, get Jalen Daniels back, Devin Neal's coming back. I mean, Kansas football is going to be an awesome spot next year. Uh, you know, awesome spot means like, hey, could we go six and six, seven and five? You know, again, uh, that's an awesome spot when you are the the Kansas Jayhawks, considering how poorly things have gone for them. At times, uh, eight Oklahoma. Uh, this one's pretty easy, right? Newcomer of the year is Dylan Gabriel. It's funny because like this is this is one of the three most solid quarterback situations in the league. Oh, I skipped Tech. Uh, we'll revisit Texas Tech in one second. Um, Dylan Gabriel. That's that's about as solid as you can get. Uh, it's good to see him back. You know, off the injury, there were some moments where he wasn't as good this year. Let's see one more year of Levy and Gabriel together. There's gonna be some shuffling about who are these guys' playmakers going into the next season. They lose Eric Gray too. More will be on the shoulders of Gabriel. It needs to be. And he needs to play a bit better than he did this year. Uh, I, I think that he needs to play a bit better than he did this year. He had some awesome performances. There are some games where you look and you're like, mm, this is just not as, it's not as good as I thought it was going to be. I know he got knocked out of the TCU game. 
But, um, you know, th- there were some games this year where you're thinking, is this guy really a- as good of a player as we uh, as we kind of expected him to be this year? It could have been one more year off the injury. could have been, you know, going to a new place, adjusting to a new competition level. But I think you saw at the end of the year, right, that really awesome, strong performance uh, against Texas Tech was, you know, very good. Three total touchdowns, not, not you know, the most efficient performance in the world against Oklahoma State. Didn't deal with the weather very well in that game against West Virginia. The Baylor game for him was very challenging, too. And you saw games like, you know, KU where he lights it up. You saw a game like Kansas State where even a losing effort, you know, he uh, he lit it up pretty well in that one, right? Nebraska game uh, lit it up in that game and, and so on and so forth. So there is a next level for Dylan Gabriel to achieve. Um which is exciting for Oklahoma fans. Uh, but he needs to hit that next year for this team to start getting better and start improving in year two under Brent Venables. Texas Tech quarterback spot. This one feels pretty uh, pretty simple, right? Baron Morton is still there at Tech. Tyler Shuck, we don't know yet about Tyler Shuck's future. One more word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you all by Bet Online and BetOnline.net. It's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every pro and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and World Cup. We've got it all at BetOnline and BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online. It's where the game starts. From what I watched from this year, like this guy could go to the league. Like, I don't think going to the league now is an awful idea. I think Emery Hunt, Hunt from CBS Sports has had a really interesting idea about some of these guys. Maybe going to the USF, uh, USFL, to the XFL, uh, whatever, the, I guess there was now the USFL too. The one difference is you're going to get paid more to stay in college and play than you will um, – then you will go play at those places most likely. Right. So it's kind of a financial decision for him because he's not going to play immediately. If he goes to the league, he's not going to play immediately or, you know, he probably will play at tech immediately. Right. Um, I guess XFL as USFL, he'll probably play immediately. Right. Um, but you know, what, what opportunity does he need to get? Because this year, you know, we didn't see a ton of him, but what I did see, I, I did actually really like from him. So one more year than offensive, same offensive coordinator. Do we want to see that, you know, uh, from him? And that 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 game against OU was a monster statistical game, right? Um, but, you know, the had games, I think the Iowa State game, you know, it was pretty measured performance, right? The Kansas game, relatively measured performance, but I thought he played pretty well in that one too. And then, you know, the TCU game, uh, not great, right? Nine for 22 in that game, touchdown a pick. Uh, it was really difficult. And, you know, they get knocked out of that Baylor game. So, because of his injury issues, like I think he needs to put a full season of tape together for us to be very excited about what Tyler Stuck's going to do, and uh, that's kind of where I'm at on on him. The one thing though is if you bring Shuck back, what happens to Baron Morton? Because now he's in a situation where he'd be basically sitting for what is a you know another season, right? He's not going to be out there full time starter for another year, and you're kind of carouseling, uh, you know, back and forth, and that that's where they are at this point. Um, so there's still a TBD on that one. Next up, West Virginia. It sounds like uh, Nico Marchial is going to be the guy there. Uh, Garrett Green played a lot at the end of the year, but like that was more out of what that team did well was running the football. This could be what happens again next year, but I think because they've invested so much in Marchial, 
and this is what our friend Mike Kazaza told us from Ear Sports, that he is going to end up being the guy for them next year. They've got a whole lot to deal with, though. So I don't know if Mark Yall year one as a starter, it's going to go particularly well for him. But that feels like the plan there. And then, look, for Iowa State, um, I feel like Hunter Deckers should get the nod next year. He was really bad. At, like, he was horrific at times. And I know people are going to say, man, I kind of want to move on from that. But Will Howard was really bad at times, too. And this guy got the keys to what was a pretty bad offense, had one really good player that he fed a lot, and that was about all he did, right? So that is where this team was from that offensive standpoint this year. Um, there's a ton of tape for him to learn from the offseason, and there's a ton of growth, and he does have a strong arm, and the decision-making has to get better. So I guess the good thing for him is, like, we've identified pretty easily what he has to change to go and get better. Now they bring in JJ Cole, who's a top 150 kid, right? Number 12 quarterback in the entire country. Um, and they, bring, you know, he's a homegrown kid in Iowa, right? So this is somebody else that you now that they bring in and does he have a chance to compete for this job? Do they bring somebody else in at this point to compete for this job? I would say it's going to be between Deckers and, and Cole, but they need to build up the infrastructure of the offense as well, moving forward for them to, to get better. I would say roll with Beckers again because I actually thought there was some stuff that I liked, but they're the crippling interceptions. I mean, if he could cut down like the crippling turnovers in half, that's a much better team. And and still, it's I feel like he'd be turning over the ball a lot. So there's a lot there's a lot to be desired, Hunter Deckers. But we've seen guys with less talent become better with time. So I'm not going to give up on a guy who's got a big arm, he's got a hose, and a pretty good athlete as well. Uh, the the schools that they're adding: BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston. A lot of very interesting quarterback situations. Got the news, I think yesterday, the day before, Jaron Hall is going to move on from BYU. They bring in Keaton Slovis from Pitt, from USC, then to Pitt, then to then to BYU. Um, I am not the biggest Keaton Slovis fan. I think the the fact that he's had, you know, he's had some really good performance, especially at USC. He had some decent performances while he was at Pitt, too. But never a guy you were overly impressed with with decision making, and I, I don't know if like physically, you know, he's as talented as sometimes as he's built to be. Uh, he's built to be. So BYU with Slovis is going to be a curious case coming into 2023. But I think that's going to be their guy. UCF gets John Rice Plumley back. I'm wearing the shirt. Uh, to be honest, I mean, I'm I'm pretty amped to watch John Rice Plumley in this Big 12. He's a very interesting quarterback because of how good of an athlete he is exciting to watch. Uh, you know, he's 21, but he's been around for a long time. He's played wide receiver, played quarterback at Ole Miss, the SEC. And then he had a really, uh, you know, pretty strong year, right? 14 touchdowns, seven INTs, 2,400 yards, ran for 841, 11 scores. So this guy that, that can pour on in terms of, you know, your raw numbers, but like there were some games that you're watching passing wise. You're just like, mm. I don't really know where I'm at, you know, or not really sure where this guy's at. And there's sometimes they, they can shut him down. If teams still have to shut down the run against UCF, you're kind of thinking, man, like, what are they going to do? Uh, that Navy game, 11 of 18, 107, right? They're not able to run the football very effectively uh, in that game. First time against Tulane, game that they won. He was he was awesome on the ground in that game. You got to make sure the run and the pass. But then you go back to the second round against Tulane. It was 54 per, uh, you know, uh, percent completion percentage, nine rush for seven yards, sacked four times. That one's a combination of both. So as that competition steps up, um, 
you know, and he had a game this year at seven TDs, four in the air, two and uh, three in the ground, right? As that competition steps up, where does Keaton slip? Excuse me. Where does John Rice Plumley fit in? How good is he when he kind of makes that jump back to this level? It's nice that UCF and Gus Malzahn have a guy they know and they trust. I'm down with that. Uh, it's just the fact that now you are transitioning. I think UCF's going to fit right into the Big 12. I think they're going to do great because they're in Florida. I think now that they're, you know, Central Florida, a Power 5 school, uh, either transfers or recruits who want to stay close to home can come there. And if they maintain Gus Malzahn as a coach, I mean, that guy's about as proven of a coach as you can find. The guy who beats Saban, a guy who's got a national championship as an offensive coordinator, you know, a guy that is, it took a team to the national championship as a head coach. I mean, this is a guy that has got a ton of success as a coach. Credentials, bona fides are, are, are there. Um, and so I think that as a whole, they're ready to go. But as a quarterback situation goes, you feel good about John Rice Plumley. There's a lot of stuff, especially passing when I clean up. But like he's always going to be the guy who's going to need both legs and the arm to get the job done. Cincinnati brings in Emory Jones uh, and they've still got Evan Prather. This one's going to be a curious one because Jones now has played at Florida. He has played at ASU. And now he goes to Cincinnati. And from what everybody says about Emory Jones, he has handled all three situations like a pro. He is a well-liked dude. He handled it well. I think there was some comparisons probably to how Emory handled his exit at ASU to how Jaden Daniels handled it. I think those comparisons were a bit unfair because Jaden Daniels was taking a step up. Um, you know what I mean? Like ASU to LSU, like no offense to ASU, but I mean, you know, it's LSU, right? Uh, they won a national championship like two or three years ago. This is a great program, storied history. Um, and there was some animosity about how he left the locker room. Emory Jones got benched, right? Uh, you know, at times this year and dealt with some injuries. So his ability wise, like I remember people were really high on him. Uh, you know, I remember seeing some mocks before he started, at, at, you know, a couple of years at Florida, like a couple of years ago. You know, somebody mocked him like sixth one time, <laughs> one time to the Eagles. I was like, oh my God, what are we doing here? Um, that's obviously not where his career has led him now. And you hope a guy like that who's a great teammate can get a good chance. They've invested a lot in, in Prather. So I think they were very, very excited about, you know, what happens uh, with his future and whatnot. And I think that you'd believe that those two guys would be the ones who are contending for that starting job. I'm going to look really fast. I think they might've gotten a quarterback um, in their latest recruiting class, but their recruiting class was not very good. Obviously I have a tough time holding it together because of the coaching transition. Yeah. They got Brady Drogosh. Um, he was a, just outside top 300. He's number 19 quarterback in class. Uh, he's from Michigan. So he'll come in. I don't think they'll get him in the mix starting just yet. I would expect Jones and Prather to be the guys battling out for that starting spot. Last one. And I'm, I'm pretty fired up about this. Our man, Donovan Smith is transferring to the university of Houston. Um, and I think the one problem for him, you know, this guy was offensive player of the week one time, uh, you know, this year, that offense, where you're asking the quarterback at Texas Tech to throw the ball like 50 sometimes a game, upper 40s, 50s, right? That is not an offense that Donovan Smith is going to thrive in. He can throw. He, I mean, he is a really, you know, he's got a lot of arm talent, throw on the run, but they need an offense that is going to just use, that's going to use both, right? Uh, they use Clayton Toon running and passing game, but I think Houston, you know, Dana Holgerson, it's an air raid, you know, he's an air raid coach, obviously. So uh, what kind of spin on the air raid are we going to put with Donovan Smith? And once again, the guy can stay in the pocket and throw it, but that's not the best usage of Donovan Smith at all. 
But I think we all realize that moving him around on the run throws off platform, you know, he's got a cannon for an arm, getting the running game, all that kind of stuff is how you want to use it. And they got some talented guys still left in that team other than and they're losing some. And that season for them did not go the way they wanted. Uh, they end up at eight and five, right? They end up at eight and five this year. It's getting that bowl win over ULL. So a little bit of momentum. And I think Donovan Smith obviously should be the guy moving in there. Um, I don't know if we got anybody else. I know that uh, Clayton Tune obviously going out. Um, uh, Lucas Coley is a guy they brought in in there. So I guess Coley versus Smith. We'll see if they where they go with that job. But that appears to be the battle there. I think Donovan Smith, though, he's good enough to start somewhere. So I think there's probably some some thoughts about you know uh, uh, who's going to be the guy. I would I would assume it is going to be Donovan Smith um, coming in there. And I think let's see, they bring Coley in. Uh, I'm not sure if it was from a recent class to class before, but they bring him in there, and I think that'll be the battle. So uh, you know this is why we kind of started this conversation is that you think about the top names. This is kind of where we can take stock and go to the top names. Will Howard is a top name. And here's the problem with Will Howard. Like him, he's really good, but like the guy's played, you know, recently at least at, at, at his top level, he's played six games. He's played more than that. He's struggled more than that. But like we've seen peak efficiency, Will Howard now for six games. And that is, that is the huge struggle is uh, knowing like, okay, you know, what happens when he's going to have to start making adjustments? Cause it's going to come. I think he can do it. Though. I think he can do it. When other top guys are going to be like uh, Jalen Daniels, really good player, obviously season cut short you know, at Kansas. Dylan Gabriel, quarterback of a six and six team, right? You know, so that's, those another top guy, John Rice Plumley, right? I mean, you know, another guy who's considered a top guy. We don't know about Tyler Shuck yet. So I'll toss him there if it happens. Quinn Ewers, right? He's going to come back. We think he's going to start, but it, it didn't look that good this year. Blake Shapin certainly didn't look that good. We were questioning it. Hunter Deckers, we know the story there. See what I'm saying? Like this league right now is not at a spot where, or this, this league, the, the Big 12, I mean, not at the spot where you're feeling super great about quarterbacks and where everybody is. With the amount of quarterback movement now that we have, though, I think a lot of leagues are in that spot. But as we head into 2023, a lot of these schools need to figure out their quarterback situations. And some of the schools that we're used to seeing around or towards the top, right? Um, I think kind of conventional wisdom says like Shuck comes back. And I think a lot of people are high on tech next year for that reason. We'll see what happens there. But um, I think so much of next year is going to depend on how good the quarterback play was. And I know it's pretty easy to say, but think about it two years ago. That was not the case, right? The case was in in the 2021 year, was your quarterback play good enough? Could you run the football? And how good was your defense? That's the reason, there's the reason why that we saw Baylor against Oklahoma State in that Big 12 championship game. Now we're asking the question of how good, you know, uh, and it's changed this year, right? Max Duggan, Will Howard were, were great there towards the end of the year. And Texas lost a couple games there towards the end of the year because quarterback play was not good enough. Namely that Oklahoma State game is the one that we kind of point to, right? So uh, Baylor, not close enough to win at all because of quarterback play. Texas Tech was in the area, but they were they were shuffling quarterbacks. So to me, it was such a big decider in how this league played out this year. I think it will be next year because there's so many question marks. That's why I think a lot of people like Kansas State next year is no matter how much they're losing, you're happy that Will Howard's back. You'll favor Oklahoma because, well, it's OU and they've got Dylan Gable. I know that that's kind of a more short thing. You'll lean towards Texas because Quinn Ewers probably should make the jump next season. Uh, Jalen Daniels will be one of your, you know, you might pick them sixth or fifth in the league because you trust Jalen Daniels as a quarterback. 
that's what's going to be fascinating about next year. And I'm also fascinated to see how the offenses of the schools just joining the league are going to adjust. That's what makes next year so fascinating for the first season for those schools. So uh, this is this is going to be an ongoing conversation for us here, especially as we go, you know, we dive deeper and we start hitting more of our season and reviews with, with folks uh, from the team specific side. We'll, we'll look more. We'll dive further into this. And obviously, Transfer Portal is not done. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can uh, also make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. Uh, like, tap that bell for notifications. Like the video and let us know what you all think. So next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.